I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. podcast thanks for joining me again thanks for uh, downloading the show and showing your support that way and hopefully if you're just heading out the door about to listen to this podcast on a run hope you have a good one and uh yeah thanks for letting me tag along for the ride um this week's guest dave robbo what an amazing bloke and his involvement in the running scene here in australia just has a massive passion for um covering events i guess and being up to date with the goings-on of uh, the sport and has had some amazing experiences in the sport. Glasgow Commonwealth Games um, was over there doing a bit of media work and um, the Rio Olympics kind of tells some really good stories about behind the scenes of Rio Olympics and yeah, some really pinch yourself moments that he really got to experience uh, there on the ground. He's got some interesting thoughts and perspectives around the future of athletics and the parkrun scene and uh, yeah, just how the sport is covered and yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him and just picking his brain on where a guy of his um, knowledge and credentials kind of thinks it's the tenon and definitely I could talk to all day about all things running so really appreciate that he gave up 90 minutes of his Thursday to have this conversation and um, that I can share it with you guys here today. I hope you're well. Um, once again, thanks for supporting the show. We're doing really well with the Inside Running podcast at the moment with Julian and Brad, so if you haven't already, check that out. This week's interview with Sean Crichton there was uh, one of my favourites. Brad did a ripping job. But um, that's enough of plugging that. Enjoy this chat with Dave Robbo. Okay, Dave Robbo, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much, Brady. It's great to be on and, uh, yeah, a real privilege. So, cheers. I wouldn't say a real privilege. It's, uh, I think the privilege is mine. It's kind of weird talking to you because I've heard your voice on so many other media outlets around running and podcasting and interviews and live streams. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a pinch yourself moment having you on the show. <laughs> Not at all, mate. No, I'll, I'll give you permission now. You are allowed to turn the sound down on any of those, those streams so you don't have to to put up with my voice but um no it's good mate good to great to always talk running and um and really enjoying 
the podcast work that you and uh, some of your mates are, are doing at the moment. So it's it's great. Yeah, looking forward to getting a bit of your advice on that a bit later on. But um, before I start, it's kind of good to have you on the show because I think you know so much about so many other runners and throwers and jumpers out there in the world of athletics and especially Australian athletics. But um, not a lot of people know too much about you and your story. So looking forward to really digging deep into that. Well, I, kind of uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get on the show, but I was hoping you might be able to help me with a bit of that. I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, some some of the details, so it can be a good little bit of therapy uh, at the moment. But um, but yeah, no, I'll I'll try my best at trying to join all the dots for you. Awesome, mate. Yeah, it definitely comes across a bit therapeutic sometimes with the boys on here. So uh, we definitely <laughs> know what you're talking about there. Do you want to maybe introduce yourself to the audience, mate? Who are you? Feel free to yeah. take that any way you please. Yes, I can. David Gordon Ted Robertson's the full name. Uh, born and raised up on the on the beautiful north coast of New South Wales. Uh, lived in a place called Yarunga just south of Coffs Harbour, moved to Mwollomba, had all the primary school there, and then back down the coast to a place called Dorigo for all of my high school. And uh, then the folks moved back up to, around Lismore, and I went on to university down in Sydney, uh, studied physiotherapy down there, took the long way, turned uh, turned the hardest four years into the best five years of, of my life down <laughs> there. And, and um, along the way, I've just always loved playing playing a bunch of sports, and um, and running was always a huge part of it, more... Uh, I guess a, a budding sprinter back in the school days, um, made it to a few state carnivals in primary school and high school days. And as I got a bit slower, over 100 and 200, I, I branched out to 400 and found a bit of a home there. And uh, best I ever did, mate, was about 50 seconds and a bit of change um, as about a 16 or 17-year-old. Never got under 50. So I'm kind of I'm more than double that age now. And I'm, I'm not giving up hope of trying to sneak under 40, uh, 50 seconds again for for a one lap. In more recent times, mate, I guess the, the running path turned into a bit more longer distance stuff. I, I um, My wife, my now wife, we uh, studied physio together at Sydney Uni. She got bitten by the distance running bug thanks to her sister who lives in Cape Town um, in about 2004, just as we were starting to go out. And I kind of, it was a bit infectious and I thought, oh, I've, you know, I've kept myself pretty fit playing a bunch of team sports, cricket and, and soccer and, and rugby over the years. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of a crack at some longer runs and I remember running for an hour for the first time and thinking to myself well you're silly enough to run for an hour you know what's an what's an hour 20 or an hour and a half and it started to sort of increase from there got talked in by a mate to to doing my first city to surf in 2004 and um and we enjoyed that and then a month later was the uh, Blackmore's half marathon and we sort of jumped into that as well that was a bit daunting at the time and um and since then yeah I've just continued to to really enjoy challenging myself over, I guess, longer distances, which don't come as natural as the, the shorter stuff. But, um, yeah, did my first marathon in 2008, had a goal of trying to sneak under three hours, and I missed it by a few minutes, and it set in motion a, a, what has become a, um, a prolonged saga to try and break three hours or two hours 60, as I call it, <laughs> and um, managed, to, managed to do that after about 10 attempts um, in Sydney this year with a with a, a sneaky two hours 56. So um, I've got I got that out of my system now. Um, and, uh, yeah, but really enjoy, enjoy uh, you know, distances right up, you know, from, from a mile right up to that marathon distance. And park run um, has, has become a, um, you know, a, a, a sweet spot for me or something that I'm really a, a big advocate on and have helped uh, get, get it going here in Newcastle where I now live. So um, I don't know if that's really answered your question, mate. But, yeah, I, I, so I guess physio... Runner, 
Um, I have a, a wife and two kids, young kids. They're five and two. Uh, I'm 36 now as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a bit thrown into all that. But I, I, I guess these days, I, yeah, I try and talk about running as much as I can, do as much running as I can, surround myself um, with, with running and, and athletics as much as I can and just, I guess, try and, um, try and promote activity. I, I see my role as a physio these days largely just trying to, you know, get people off the couch, get them moving um, in any way that they can. And as you and I know, mate, running's the best way to do that. So uh, just trying to convince the world to get moving more often and something I'm passionate about. And, uh, yeah, hopefully if anyone's listening to this, I'm sure they're probably already converted, but they can, you know, high-five the next person you see coming the other way and, um, and, and share what I call a positive exchange and, and celebrate the fact that we're all out there having a, having a trot and listening to a running podcast. Yeah, yeah, so many directions we can go with there on that introduction, mate. But but why running, do you think, for you? Like, was it just because you kind of were involved at a young age there that you just stuck around that same sport for so long? Yeah, I guess so, mate. It, it's um, it's something um, I did okay as, as a kid, and uh, but um, as as you get a bit older, it doesn't take a lot of organisation, I guess, to to, to fall back to it. Um, doesn't need a lot of equipment, doesn't need a lot of cost, can be done anytime, wherever you are around the world. And um, I've, I've, I've travelled a fair bit. Um, Gab, Gabby and I, you know, we, we spent four years over in the UK. Uh, we were able to work and, and travel over there. And really, that's where the, the, the marathon running plant uh, seed was planted over there. We did our first marathon in 2008 up in Edinburgh. Uh, got in with a good group up there and, and really fell in love with it. So I guess that sport has continued to to just be there, you know, either un- just under the service or or we're not really in the focus. Um, I've played a few seasons of cricket over in Edinburgh, which is a, a strange thing to have done, but um, got involved over there and yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, the, the running, I guess, is something that I've been, you know, keen to continue. Dabbled with a bit of triathlon, um, got around a, an Ironman course once back in 2010. But, yeah, it's just – I think it's – running, it's just so simple – it's it's so effective. Um, it ticks all the boxes, and it you know it clears the head. It keeps your body going. It keeps a bit of weight off. It it makes it makes the world better. It makes the world a better place. And I think you know, air air feels cleaner. Food tastes better. Water tastes sweeter. All because of running. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a drug for me, and I, I'd struggle to to do without it, to be honest. Oh, for sure. Imagine if everyone in the world just went for a half an hour run every morning. The world would be such a better place, I think. Well, well, all the, you're right, Brady. All the problems in the world, you know, we'd have world peace instantly. We'd, we'd just basically sort out all the dickheads in the world. <laughs> I, I often say that, mate, as you, know, you look at some of the issues in society at the moment, you know, I just think, well, mate, you know, you needed to have a run this morning and just get your life in order a bit as opposed to committing that crime or, or you know, doing the wrong thing. So... I, I, I agree, mate. These politicians, they need to be advocating, you know, running activity in some ways. But, you know, what if it's parkrun or whatever it is, get more people running. I think definitely the world will be a much better place. Yeah. The one thing about your positivity, though, Robbo, is it spreads across all aspects aspects of running. So, like, I know you're heavily involved with the parkrun, but you can also pull out stats of, um, you know, Fukuoka Marathon that happened on the weekend and how many years ago Deke won. So I think your knowledge and your spread across Every part of running is uh, so important for the Australian community to encourage people to get out there and be active. Yeah, I mean, it's nice, mate. And that's, you know, that, that elite side of the sport is something that I, I reckon, you know, I personally take a, you know, get, get a huge kick out of 
um, being in touch with the, that, that pointy end of town. And um, I put, you know, your, yourself and your, your fellow 220 marathon colleagues in that same boat. It's great to even hear on your, on, on your Inside Running podcast at the moment, you know, about training and, and how things are going. But um, we're all just human beings. We're all breathing the same air. That's the great thing about running. It's a real leveler and park run in particular. You know, it's got to be one of the only sports in existence where you can be shoulder to shoulder with an Olympic marathoner on the start line. Um, they've still got to scan their barcode. They've still got to cover that same 5K course as you. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a fa- it's a magical sport in that sense. And it's, it's nice to, I guess, you know, try and stay across um, the, the history of the sport and, and, the, and the history that's being made in the, in, you know, in the current year as well. Um, I will say a lot of those stats aren't committed to memory, mate. I, I know where to go looking for the references. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you know, I've, I, I certainly enjoy celebrating the sport and, and um, to have been able to build a relationship with, you know, with someone like Rob, Rob DeCostella and, and Steve Monaghetti, these household names of running, and I call them mates. And um, you know, I, I'm just, I pinch myself even now. You know, Monas was up here a year ago in Newcastle, came up for a, um, a run from a running shop up here, Pure Performance, came out, ran 8Ks with us or whatever, and then st- st- uh, stood around and delivered, you know, a bit of a question and answer session. And for everyone in that crowd, it was it was magical. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice thing. And the sport struggles a little bit, as, as, as you know and listeners will know, for mainstream media coverage. So when we've got these superstars and we've got the ability to use new media, social media, to, to spread the word of our sport, um, I think we're mad not to do it. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it is exciting, mate, and, I, and I, am, I count myself very blessed to, to be involved in the sport the way that I have been. Yeah, what do you think about that division between, like, the, the park run crowd and the fun run crowd and the elite running side of things? <laughs> it's, uh, we had Malcolm Norwood up at Echuca to launch our park run, you know, earlier in the year, and a, a 212 guy, Echuca resident for a big part of his life, and a lot of the locals didn't even know who he was. So it was uh, quite eye-opening for me that... Just that elite side of uh, things, there's just a huge gap. Whereas I think in other sports that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, I think regardless of um, regardless of how much a person's achieved, you know, just to be able to relate to them um, at a, at the start line of a park run or the opening of a new park run and, and hear some of their stories, you know, they on on the whole, even. Even the marathon running and the marathon training that I've done, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to live in the same town as Scott Westcott, um, oldest bloke to compete for Australia at, a, at an Olympic marathon. And um, I, I was lucky enough to tag along for a number of his sessions with his squad in the lead up to Rio last year. And I was documenting it a little bit on the way. You know, we're, we're kind of all bashing in a way, bashing away at the same sort of thing. Scotty was writing a blog at the time, which um, I, I was convinced could, could form the basis of a, um, you know, Australian uh marathon as bible just these stock standard sessions that he's been doing for you know about 20 years or so and he was had it passed on from from his influences pat carroll and and Mona and deke and um and dick telford coaching and stuff down in canberra so we we kind of are all doing pretty similar sort of stuff when we're training for a marathon whether whether you're shooting for a 215 or you a 315 or a 515 um the long run's crucial the those those quicker sessions during the week and the the recovery stuff so i i reckon yeah the, the elite stuff um is great i guess we can we can put them on a pedestal but we can also you know not be afraid to go and have a chat with them and ask them about um, um their training and and get some advice related to our training and a little anecdote i can share with you um remember i remember meeting benita willis or she was benita johnson at the time uh, at the uh, great Edinburgh run, 10k run in in Edinburgh, she won it that day. 
Um, and we went and had a chat with her, my, my brother who we lived with as well. My dad was there and, and Gabby, my wife. And, um, and I remember her, you know, we were just like, oh, how good's this, Benita? You know, she got the win. She actually gave my wife the, the, the winning bouquet of flowers that day, <laughs> which we touched on. But, she, but Benita wanted to ask us about our training. You know, you guys are doing, we told her we're doing our first marathon the next week. And she's like, how's it going? And what sessions are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that was, a, that was really nice. And I think across the board, runners are, uh, I reckon, the best people in society. So it's, it's rare to find a runner that's a dickhead. And, um, and so it's nice to be able to share that. Share that with runners of all abilities, not, not only the pointy end, but you know all the recreational runners as well. Yeah, I agree, especially the people we've approached to have on the podcast. I think people want to, I think almost elite athletes are a bit lonely in a way, like they want to share their story and just probably haven't had as many opportunities as we think they might have had, especially to do kind of detailed interviews and spend some time really talking about their training and um, are definitely approachable. Everyone we've approached has been more than happy to give us some time and I'm sure you've found the same in, in your role in the media. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if I can give you a wrap um, again, Brady, uh, what I really love as well, you know, and, and this is to in no way um, take anything away from, from you and, and Brad and Julie and, and, and what you guys have achieved, which is fantastic. And I, we call you elites. Don't worry about that. But I reckon the stories from people like yourself who maybe not quite getting on those, you know, Aussie teams and getting to Olympic Games and Com Games, those those stories, are, that's almost in a way you, you, you hear some it breaks a few more barriers and you, and you get some really good stories from there because you you know you guys are quick enough and good enough to be training at that level you understand what it takes you've seen firsthand what it takes to get to that level you've got an understanding more than say you know some of your mid packers and back of the packers at a at a park run and i i reckon there's some great anecdotes and stories to come out of um from you know from you guys as well and that's why i'm really enjoying um what you've been able to do with with these couple of podcasts so we can we can relate through you guys even more with some of these elites cuz the really, really top top guys sometimes uh, don't have an idea of just how good they are, and, and and it can maybe struggle to break it down a little bit for the for the benefit of us hackers, you know, at, at the back of the pack. So um, yeah, so mate, I think it's I think it's great what you've been doing. Yeah, we find the same. Just having um like guests that you know probably not so much the faster when we first started. We thought the faster the guests, the the, the more better. downloads. And I'm <laughs> yeah. sure you might have had a similar experience yeah. back in the day as well, but it's the people who you can relate to or the people who are going out at 5am in the morning when yep. when the general runners are have to get their work done, not the people that can, you know, sit around on Instagram all day or kind of <laughs> train at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're um, a bit harder to connect to. Yeah, the, the Liam Adams interview, you know, I got more out of hearing him uh, juggle and balance his work um, as an electrician and getting up at crazy hours to squeeze in the work and the training, then I probably took out of you know some of his stories from being there in Rio at the Olympic Games. So yeah, it's it's breaking through that sort of stuff and it and it is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Hey, talk me back to when did the media stuff kind of kick off for you? Like, were you always a student of the sport back in the <laughs> junior days, or like how did emceeing events and launching your own podcast back in the day? And you know, you're one of the run for your life top 10 influences of Australian r- running at the moment. I'm pretty sure I read an article that's, about that's like, G, yep. yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a G, good one. <laughs> when, when did all that stuff start kicking off for you? Uh, mate, I, I, I reckon, um, yeah, it was with the running side of things and athletics. I, I was, uh, I guess I was too busy playing at million and one other different sports as a kid growing up. And I, I wasn't a huge devotee to the sport of athletics as a, as a, as a youngster. That was probably more something a little bit later on. I guess I, like many kids growing up on the north coast of New South Wales, you know, I idolised um, the rugby league players of the day. And I remember I got to meet the uh, captain of the Balmain Tigers, Wayne Pearce, at, at, my, at my primary school 
one day, and that was as good as it was ever going to get um, at that point. So, and I, you know, I'd listen like we all would. You listen to the commentary on the the radio for the cricket or or on the TV for rugby league, and you know, you you'd have a little dabble at doing a bit of commentary. And I, I guess I'd always thought that would be a, that'd be an awesome job. Travel the world, calling sport didn't really seem like a job in a way, and um, and I, I always sort of had that you know bit of an interest in 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 covering sport in in some regard, but. Um, kind of by accident mate the the way um the uh the athletics and the running media side of things uh, uh sprouted out um mate of mine mossy silas moss he is a health professional as well so his background is as a sports scientist and i heard um i knew about him he, he was here in uh, newcastle had a gig on the radio um as a as a separate job that he did calling abc grandstand a-League games predominantly, but a bit of rugby league as well. So I knew about him and I knew his voice and I was like, oh, that guy's a bit of a legend. Anyway, it turns out he started to work at the same health practice that I was at here in Newcastle. And um, so, we, yeah, we worked together um, delivering health uh, campaigns and, and pr- projects and stuff around the Newcastle and Hunter region. Anyway, I, um, I had this little blog started, I started up. I did an Ironman, trained really hard for 12 weeks and I, once that 12-week program finished, I'd done the race, ticked it off and then I kind of just needed a break to clear my head and, and just get away from that very rigid uh, training um, protocol and so I had a couple of weeks where I just didn't really run at all or didn't really exercise much at all and then after that couple of weeks, I sort of decided, right, I want to just get back into running but I want to do it without worrying about anything. I was just going to go for a run for the fun of it, don't know where it'll be, I don't care what, what the, you know, the distance is or what the pace is. Um, and I just incorporated all these fun little things. I wanted to sort of engage with people when I had a run. I don't like the idea of two runners passing by and not acknowledging each other. So I had this little challenge where I wanted to say good day to at least five people on every run and instigate a, what I call a positive exchange. Might be a high five, might just be a nod or a lift of the finger, but just an acknowledgement. Um, run somewhere different that you've never run before. Run on different terrain, change it up, run different speeds, um, sort of make it up as you go along. And another part of that was to run naked, which is not obviously taking all your clothes off, but just, yeah, leave the watch at home and, and just sort of make it up as you go along. Um, and I'd kind of been bound by this. It was before I had a GPS or a reliable GPS, and I would sit on map my run or, you know, GMAP's pedometer, and I'd map the run out. And the, the day came where I spent longer mapping the run out than I actually took to run the thing. Yeah. I thought, ah, oh, this is crazy. And I was becoming a bit of a slave to the statistics of it all. So that was this idea of running naked. Anyway, Mossy sort of got wind of it, and I'd started a blog called Experience Running, we went on a run together and he said, look, tell me all about it. And I did and um, uh, that was interesting. He said, cool, let's let's do some stuff together. Let's get you involved. They teed up a radio interview for ABC in Newcastle and the, the presenter there just latched onto this idea of running naked. She's like, oh, that sounds great. You know, it sounds a bit cheeky. What's it all about? That'll, that'll create some attention. Um, so I got invited to come on. It was a, a New South Wales uh, wide program and talk all about naked running and, and my love of running. And um, we quickly thought at that point, let's call it, let's call our little uh, project The Naked Runners. It's a bit sexier. It's a bit catchier. It obviously leads to the, the question, are you really taking all your clothes off? So it's a good little conversation starter. And um, and then kind of that just got a bit of momentum. And, and Mossy, who'd done a bunch of podcasts and had his radio background, said, well, let's, let's, let's start a podcast, The Naked Runners podcast. And we just bashed away at it. You know, it was very rough early on, and uh, we did it over Skype. And every now and then, we'd catch up and do it in person. We started interviewing some people, and it was back in a day, Brady, when podcasts weren't really that cool. 
Not well, nowhere yeah. near as cool as they are now. You so. guys were really early, but that's like, <laughs> you guys are the pioneers. We're just coming in. Everyone's got a podcast <laughs> these days. I feel a bit like a, a fraud kind of jumping on the bandwagon late. But um, yeah, you guys had some big no. guests. Like I, I remember listening no, not to all your... like that. <laughs> so some of your well, guests, well, it was mate, good, like, yeah. yeah. We just... Well, um, yeah, so we, we, we started off with, with some local sporting identities. I think we interviewed Scott Westcott about six times on the show. <laughs> Um, uh, a few other local uh, top runners in Newcastle. Dave Bradney is a guy that won the, the Landy Mile at, at Azadapec once. Um, I think he ran a four four flat for the mile down there. Newcastle fellow, Celia Sullihan. And then just some local um, parkrun identities as well. And it was at a time when Newey Parkrun was just kicking off. I was, I was launching that. Um, I had a trip overseas and yeah, caught up with Benita uh, Willis over there, had an interview with her, got Kurt Fernley on. And yeah, all of a sudden we just sort of started... Um, getting a little bit of momentum with the with the show and um, could start to approach yeah some some bigger name athletes and yeah you know you got to you, you do the rounds with uh, getting decon and and uh, and Steve Monaghetti as, as well um, and yeah we got a whole bunch of guests but we ended up um, we ended up finishing on episode 69 with a with a, a tribute to Collis Birmingham we wanted to make it Collis the musical um, and so it's there if anyone's interested to go back and have a listen to. But that's where we've parked it for the time being. It's not the end, but the Naked Runners podcast uh, is currently parked on episode 69. We'll, we might resume it one day, but um, I still haven't probably answered your question. The, the podcast started, Scott Westcott, who was running the Hunter Track Classic at the time, he was organiser. He uh, invited us to come down and just do a little bit of commentary, uh, completely free gig, unpaid and, and Mossy. I couldn't do it one year. I've had a housewarming. Mossy did it on his own. He went well at it, and he said, Robbo, come and get involved next year, and I did a bit of the field announcing, and I remember I got to interview Danny, Danny Samuels at the time, and I'm thinking, how good's this? She was really nice, and, you know, she's a legend. So I thought, this is a pretty good little gig. Let's, um, let's keep doing that, and we just sort of kept plugging it away at it for a couple of years, and they started to pay us a little bit, and then this idea to do a, a live stream came up, and we had a fair, fair bit of freedom with doing that, and it seemed to get a little bit of um, traction as well, and that was 2014, and then um, started to do some of the Athletics Australia meets as well that season. I, I think it was pretty rough and ready, but um, I think the community of athletics um, sort of responded well. Just the fact that the sport was getting a little bit of a little bit of coverage, you could watch something like the Hunter Track Classic, um, even if you had to turn the sound down so you weren't listening to us crap on. But um, you could at least see it now, and, and these athletes loved it too because their sport now was getting a little bit of coverage. The diehard fans could at least pick it up. The mums and dads loved it as, as good as anything. They could see how, how the kids were going and, um, and cheer them on that way. So that was kind of the, getting the foot in the door, mate. And, um, and then, yeah, just got approached by a few fun runs locally and, and then got, got a good relationship with Athletics New South Wales um, with some of their other events, and um, it sort of went from there. So, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's pretty unplanned. But, um, you know, and I've learned a lot hanging around Mossy, who has more formal media training. Um, and I've just sort of, yeah, just bashed away at it as best I could and, and, and slowly immersed myself in the sport and got my head around the nuances of, of track and field, which uh, I reckon it's one of the most information-laden sports and technical sports there is around the world. And when you've got a sport that's got three things going on all at once and you've got to try and do each one justice, it's a huge challenge, and it's something that I reckon the sport doesn't do that well, the fact that we, we compete for, for attention um, on the track and in the field at the same time. So it's been a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun and, and, and opened up doors that I'm sure we wouldn't have, and opportunities we wouldn't have got, um, you know, in other more established sports.
Yeah, yeah. Can I ask why you guys stopped doing the podcast? Um, it was just becoming, it was taking a bit of time, as you know. Mm. <laughs> we, and it would have been um, more time we, back then too, wouldn't it? Like the programs these days, <laughs> you know, we just click a button and then you just drag the file onto iTunes and you're pretty quick these days. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so the, I was doing the, the bulk of the, um, the editing, um, and which I didn't mind doing. I mean, I, I enjoyed learning that and, um, and getting that all up to speed. Um, I guess it just became, yeah, it became a bit of a burden um, for our families as well. And it's, a, it's the kind of thing, you know, you're always, you're never going to make a lot of or any money out of doing podcasts. It's a hobby and it's something that you do for the love of it. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm certainly keen to, to do something again, whether it's under that platform of the Naked Runners or, or something else I might do on my own or, um, so yeah, I haven't shut the door on it, but yeah, at that time that was kind of just, yeah, just a, a parking of that and, um, and see what else, you know, see what else we can drum up. So, um, it, it was just a week by week thing. It was just becoming a little bit tough to commit to. And you, when you have the choice to, you know, spend time with, with the kids or go and hang out with Mossy <laughs> for a couple of hours and bash away to podcast, um, there was, yeah, it's just a few choices needed to be made there. So but I love to love to get back into it. We both love it. That's that's the thing, you know. If we had all the time in the world and you could squeeze it all in and balance it in, um, we'd still be doing it today, I'm I'm sure. But uh, yeah. but yeah, one of the other things with Mossy, that first run we had, um, around about 17k. Now he's he's a pretty fit bloke. He's played a lot of field hockey over the years. But I ran him into the ground and he got a bit of a plantar fasciitis on that that first run <laughs> I took him on, and he, he he then proceeded to be injured for about the next two or three years. So the old Naked Runners partnership. Um, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit tough for Mossy because we were talking about running all the time and interviewing all these fantastic people, but the poor bugger couldn't run <laughs> a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, that was a bit tough for him. Oh, that could be all right though. You don't want two of you, too many like alpha running males. You know, <laughs> Julian and I have arguments every week because we both yeah. we both want to be the elite runner, and unfortunately, he's the only elite we've got at the moment. But um, yeah, I, yeah. Could, I could say yeah. that could be a, not a bad thing, not fighting for that same spot. Hey, um, you must have some pretty amazing stories of uh, athletics kind of meet you've been to and athletes you've rubbed shoulders with. Obviously, the 2014 Com Games and the Olympic Games at Rio. Have you got some got some good stories for me and the listeners to share? Yeah, mate. It, that that Commonwealth Games. I mean, going back to that that year, that live streaming stuff that we um, we found ourselves in the middle of. It was a uh, it was bizarre. Um, we did that Hunter Track Classic meet, and then. Um, Athletics Australia, you know, they said, right, let's 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 have a crack at some of these live streams at some of our other meets for that season. So we, we got flown over to Perth, and um, I'm in a hotel room with LaShawn Merritt, <laughs> like within half an hour of touching down, um, doing a little bit of a colour piece, asking him what fruit, what his favourite fruit was. So that was pretty um, pretty strange. The the two go for two and five uh, fruit and veggie campaign was a sponsor of the Perth Track Classic, and so that's how that was, was all framed up and. Um, uh yeah so that was that was pretty wild and, and that and so that night yeah we we're on on this sort of what we call the tartan couch interviewing the likes of LaShawn Merritt um and then yeah Sally Pearson peeling a banana for Sal for Sal as we asked how she um how she, her hurdles race went earlier in the night like it was just it was pretty bizarre and we just sort of had to float along as we went um the I guess that season domestically the uh the nationals was the culmination of it and we're down in Melbourne and um and so yeah, it's a who's who of Australian athletics, and so whether it's Benny Harradine or um, 
you know, Kim Mickle or, you know, these, these superstars of the sport, they, in, a, in, a, in a way, because the Tartan Couch became um, such an identity on its own and the reward for winning your event was to get an interview on the Tartan Couch on the live stream, I, I think I remember Jeff Risley saying, you know, he, he busted himself all year to get a, get a crack on that couch and um, <laughs> finally came true. So um, it, was a, it was a thing that, that the athletes uh, strive for to get, get, get that interview on the couch. It was a lot of fun for us and... Um, you know, we, we, we sort of prided ourselves. Our style wasn't the rigid, um, serious journalism and, and presentation that the sport, you know, some, sometimes has. We, we try to have it as light-hearted as, as possible where we could, respecting the athletes, respecting the sport as much as possible um, as, as you need to. But, but yeah, having a joke and, and finding the lighter side of things when you could. So, um, yeah, so, you know, that, that whole year was, was fantastic and a lot of fun. And we said to ourselves, let's keep it going. Let's try and get over to Glasgow in some capacity and be part of the Com Games um, circus over there. And we managed to raise about, um, I think, over 12 grand in a crowdfunding campaign, selling Tartan Couch T-shirts and getting the good the good people of Australia to get behind us. And um, and we were able, able to create a, a daily video, you know, blog, a Roy and HG-style uh, daily wrap-up. Um, it, it, it burnt us out big time over there. I wasn't having a lot of sleep. We'd, we'd go to all these events and then I'd be up editing a video to get up you know, um, up online before uh, the sun came up, which didn't happen that often. And we, we, we had a lot of fun following all the, av- the, the coverage over there. But probably, mate, to answer your question, the, the, the big moment was probably the, uh, the Sally Pearson hug at the end of her 100-metre hurdles yeah, final. Right. All, the, yeah. all the pressure was on her and the, the coach had you know, he- heaped a bit of shit on her and he'd been sent home and she had to come out and, and uh, get the job done and... She just needed someone to hug at the end, and and uh, we were there with our inflatable kangaroo jumpy, and she ran straight over to us, and um, and it was a bit awkward, I got to say, mate. Like, I, you know, when sometimes someone hugs you and it goes for a little bit long, I was like, oh, you know, feel free to go and do something else if you need to, <laughs> and um, but there's a lot of emotion there she needed to release, and it was great to be able to um, help help her out and help celebrate from from the beginning. And I think you know, if, if you see any photos or video of it, I'm losing my shit. She's losing it, and um, and every, all the Aussies and Mossy and everyone around us are just going crazy. So that was a real pinch yourself moment. And every day of those games, we just kept saying, "Oh, it can't get any better than this." And the next day, something else would happen, and something else would happen. So um, yeah, that was that was incredible. And uh, you know, Jumpy Jumpy himself, the uh, he became a real icon of the games over there. The Scots all loved him, and he ended up getting um, when Kim Mickle won her gold medal. She ran over and she says to me, I'm, I'm having him. And she grabs Jumpy and takes Jumpy on a lap of the Hamden Park track, waving him up in, into the crowd. And um, Jumpy actually had a night in the Athletes' Village that night. Um, <laughs> but none of the athletes wanted to blow him up and risk getting any germs and getting sick. He uh, got a little bit, bit deflated and had a pretty big night, I think. So we did get reunited with him the next day. But, um, but yeah, mate, that was, that was good. And then, and then moving on to Rio, I guess we sort of thought, well, we had a taste of, of, um, of that. That sort of stuff. Let's try and do it at the big one over at Rio, and um, that was weird too. We, we we thought about crowdfunding for that, and I just launched a campaign. Anyway, we I entered a, a competition with a well-known chocolate uh, manufacturer, Cadbury, and uh, the prize was uh, a trip for two to the Rio Olympics, accommodation, flights, and um, a bit of spending money and some some tickets to some events. And you had to put a video in um, uh, convincing. Brazilians to cheer for Australia and we we did the cliched thing you know we we linked the green and gold and we made a, a new nation called Australia combining their medals with our medals and we'd have a reciprocal cheering arrangement anyway 
it worked out well, and we got we won this trip over there and um, found ourselves there for um, for the Olympic Games, which was which was amazing as well. And um, probably uh, a couple of the big highlights, definitely on the track, being there in the stands uh, watching Ryan Gregson uh, be the first bloke in 40 years, Aussie bloke, to get through to a 1500 final, and was sitting with his family um, at the at the semi final and for the final as well. So that was uh, that was incredible to be there for that. And um, there's there's one night there we, we we just hung on. It might have been that night. But we just hung on. We hung around and hung around. Security's trying to usher us out, and we didn't really have too much of a plan. And um, we ended up sort of staying in the stadium because we couldn't figure our way out of this place. And uh, it was Usain Bolt's last night on the on the track. He'd won the relay, got his three golds, and uh, we thought, oh, we'll just go over and see if we can say good day. And we ended up finding ourselves sneaking down closer to the track. And the aim was to get a photo of Jumpy on the track. Um, and no one was really that interested in us. And uh, we managed to get down there, got onto the to the track, um, and uh, got our photo with Jumpy. And then we thought, well, no one was really that interested in us still. So we did a little lap of the the track um, on and, the surface, uh, like on the on track. The surface. Yeah, there's some. This is probably. I don't know if it's been revealed too often. I haven't. I haven't spoken too much about it in in public. I certainly didn't speak about it in public <laughs> while we were there. Get locked <laughs> I up. Didn't want to get in too much trouble because there was a bit of trouble happening. Um, but yeah, the, my crowning moment was getting out into lane eight, the Wade Van Niekerk lane, where we'd watched him set the world record um, from lane eight a few nights earlier. And I, I did a barefoot 400 in lane eight <laughs> with the dip and everything at the finish. Mossy's filmed it. So um, so that was fun. And we, yeah, we, we kind of, uh, right at the end, no one, no one was that interested. And a few of the guys that worked for Spikes magazine came out. We've got a few photos with them. We're walking under the tunnel to go out of, to get out of the place. We thought, right, it's about midnight. We should get home. Um, and then anyway, walking out of a door, all these marshals and volunteers and stuff. And then there's Usain Bolt just coming out of a door. And, um, and it was one of those moments where I was like, I had Mossy was standing beside me, had Jumpy, uh, in his arms. And I was like, Oh, what do we do here? You know, you, you try and get the, get the photo, get the selfie to, to capture the moment. It was all being rushed through very quickly. And I just thought, no, nah, there's no time for that. Um, and just said, G'day, g'day, mate. G'day from Australia. Well done. And got the handshake. And that was a special little moment. I think we got a photo with um uh, with uh, Safa Powell a little bit later on. They were all knocking around. Usain was out to throw a javelin, I think, out in the infield um, for some Jamaican TV stunt. But um, anyway, yeah, we saw Usain and then we saw ourselves out and um, luckily didn't get mugged at the train station and got home safely. So that was probably one of the, the standout moments of the of that campaign over in in Rio. So again, super super lucky. First time I've actually seen any um, Olympic athletics action. And to be there for each of Usain Bolt's races in his last ever Olympics was something that you you just tuck away forever and tell the grandkids one day. What was it like, mate, just being involved, I guess, so deeply with that Commonwealth and Olympic experience? Like, we watch it all on TV and you only get so much kind of perspective. But, yeah, what's it like being on the ground kind of close to the athletes? Are they tense? Is it as organised? as Yeah. yeah. It was um, Rio was a really interesting place. It's not a place I'd ever been before. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll go back there again. Um, and it's had a lot of it had a lot of trouble uh, dealing with hosting a, an Olympic Games. To be honest, they probably shouldn't have even had it, given the the social problems that exist in that city and, and that country. But they pulled it off, and every, you know, on the on the whole, we we felt safe the whole time we were there. It all worked well. Um, we got out. We could get around. Pretty well. So um, we, we had a bit of contact with some of the athletes, especially the, the marathoners. Um, our first morning there was the, the, the morning of the, the um, women's marathon. And uh, the, we were staying in a hotel that was right on course. 
And so we got to hang out with some of the Aussie um, men's marathoners that day and, and Adam Diddick, the coach, <clears throat> Liam Adams, Scott Westcott. And um, yeah, it was cool, cool to catch up with them and just sort of see how they're settling in and, and get a bit of the vibe. And, and um, you know, the marathon was great. It was a kind of a three lap course. So we got to see the girls and, and cheer them on uh, hard. So that was, that was great. And I, I met, I um, caught up with Scott at, um, at this golf course that had been taken over the entire golf course, probably the most, you know, little well, well to do suburb in Rio. Uh, Nike had just taken the whole place over to create this Nike town. And, um, uh, I was able to go for a run with Scott in there. Uh, it was a few days before his run, his race in the marathon, and they were going a bit nuts running around the village apparently because there was a little 2k dirt track that they could run on, but there wasn't much else on offer. So he was loving the fact he could run around, you know, 15 or 16 holes of a golf course on the grass in a pretty idyllic setting. Um, so he was, you know, he was he was pinching himself. He had thought that dream had had long gone of representing Australia at an Olympic game. So he just soaked it up the whole time and it was awesome to be around him. It was like he was a, you know, twelve year old kid and uh just he was pinching himself. So um yeah, but our our experience, you know, it was it was a little bit hectic. We stayed right in the city to start with, um, in, in Rio and it just felt a little bit dodgy at, at times, but the people were super friendly. We tried our best to learn um the local uh, language, the Portuguese Brazilian. We did a what did okay um from that regard. But um yeah, look, I think any time you're over there, you're, you're happy to, you know, dress up in the green and gold, have an inflatable kangaroo. It breaks the ice with, with all the people in the crowd and, and athletes see you and, and they're happy to, you know, to take the cheers. And, um, yeah, it was a, they, they did, they, you know, as much as it was tough probably for the people there, and I'm sure some of the poorer people wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to sort of get, get too involved with it, but... Um, it seemed to be a. It was a. It was a really exciting time to to be over there, and the Olympics is just such a big circus. You know, amazing to be to be at at those games and um and cheer those Aussies on. And you know, the uh, the track and field team. I guess we didn't get a get um you know huge amount to fill the the, the medal cabinet up with, but some really really good performances, especially in the, those distance runs by the, the the females. And to be there for steeplechase and. The 5,000 meters um, to see our girls go around and, and just holding it um, with some of the best in the world was 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 really awesome and uh, yeah I think there's a lot to be positive about with the sport. There certainly feels like a bit of a wind of change with the sport of track and field and and hopefully you know it'll be rewarded um, at, at future Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games, um, especially now the the doping stuff seems to be hopefully you know getting a bit more um, a handle on that by the authorities. So. That's uh yeah, it's good for our guys and look forward to hopefully doing it again. We would love to get back to obviously yeah get up to the Gold Coast next year and have some part to play in covering stuff up there and then and move on to Tokyo, which will be Olympic Games a little bit closer to home um, in 2020. So yeah, look forward to it. Do you find dealing with different athletes that um, some are a bit higher strung than others? Like can I, I'm imagining the marathoners are just a bit more chilled out maybe than of some of our track and field stars. Yeah, marathoners. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the most normal ones there, mate. <laughs> Always, my theory is, Brady, the more, the longer you run, the more time you've got on your feet to sort out all the problems in your head. Yeah. So, um, I reckon ultra runners are even more chilled out and and down to earth sort of um, guys and girls too. So yeah, no, they're they're always they're, the the distance runners are always a great crowd. Um, highly strung. Yeah, I guess some of the athletes who who had a bit of pressure on them and, and were expected to do pretty well. Um, and you know, we we weren't we weren't certainly um trying to get involved with any of the um, Australian athletes or trying to interview them or hang around too much until after they their competition was done and then they're super relaxed and they're happy to come out and, 
and enjoy the the action and we could sort of sit sit with them and catch up with them as well but um Ellen Nelson was one you know she she had a, a fantastic um uh, run in in the 200 meters event and uh you know we were catching up with her and we got to know her parents a bit actually you asked about stories before there's a funny funny story with her mum actually punched her mum um, by accident and split her lip Ella Nelson <laughs> Ella Nelson's mum was, was standing in the line waiting to go in for one of the sessions at um, at Glasgow the Com Games and um, yeah I got a bit carried away with one with my right fist and I didn't see her there and ended up splitting her lip so um, sorry sorry again Jules for, uh, for that but yeah so you know it was funny with the, with the the relationship we got with the live streaming stuff you get, you get to know the athletes really well but yeah, you've got to know a lot of the family members as well, um, and and they sort of got on board with what we were trying to do, also. So that that was pretty cool to um to enjoy that, and even in Rio, you know, we're hanging out with uh, Eloise Willing's parents, and you know they're pretty pretty tense and pretty nervous, and to to be able to um yeah to share the experience and, and the you know Ryan Gregson's mum and dad and his his um his sisters there as well in the stands, you know, they're biting their nails to the bone, cheering their boy on, and and, and um and we. We can be there to share the highs and, and, and share the lows as well, um, where there's disappointment. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty special to, to get a sense of of what it was like to you know to be an athlete over there. We just we count ourselves as, as failed, you know, elite athletes. So the next best thing is to is to be over there, wear a bit of green and gold, and dance around and cheer for them all on and and, and soak it up. So yeah, we we were on a massive high. But I think in that tense environment, having guys like you to balance it out a bit would be really important and probably a thing that a lot of the elite athletes didn't realise at the time that was happening. You guys just providing that support and providing that humour and that positivity and just uh, just really diehard fans, as you said. Mm, yeah, big big fanboys. That's really that's really all it is. And, and it was a funny, I guess, a funny line that we tread between, you know, representing media. Or journalism, if you want to be that, uh, extend the definition pretty broadly. But and then you know, yeah, being being mates with with some of these athletes as well, and, and just being you know huge fans. That's that's all we were ever really intending to do was just to really get in their corner and, and just be massive supporters. And um, I think certainly in Glasgow, having spent um, all that time in the season leading up to that, the domestic season, getting to know a lot of the athletes. Yeah, that was that bit of a familiar face. Oh, there's these idiots there over here. You know, somehow they've made their way over, and we got to hang out with with some of the athletes and do some interviews, even in the holding camp in um in Gateshead, just out of Newcastle, uh, before the uh, action actually started. Too, you know, to be able to go and run Newcastle Park Run with Marty Dent and um, Mel Paniotu was was pretty cool. Actually, paced Marty for the first two hundred meters <laughs> of that park run. Did you go uh, out in thirty six seconds or I something? Did. Three minute K pace, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to catch up, catch my breath from that, and then. And then you know they needed a lift back to the hotel, so we're in a in a cab with um oh in a in a car with our friends, and and we did this little interview where we're interviewing Marty and and Mel in the back of the car, driving them back to um back to their hotel where they were staying. So just it's really cool just to get that access, I guess, and and try and uh, continue to celebrate the athletes as much as possible. That's that was our biggest thing to to try and do, tell get their stories known and get their faces um, known a bit more to the Aussie. Not only the athletics community, but to the wider sporting community as well, and, and be champions for the the sport and for their causes. Um, and we were super lucky to be able to have that access and and to build those relationships and um and continue to yeah to support the team in that way. And if it did any if it if it helped ease some nerves or if it helped to you know people just um, take their mind off the stress of the situation, then then that's that's great. But um yeah just just basically you know the 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 uh the green and gold cheer score that was our role. 
Yeah, right. Do you think times are changing with that media kind of role now, though, with social media and podcasting? And I just know, like, you look at the charts of iTunes, the top podcasts, you know, they're not coming from very successful journalists. It's people like you and me kind of trying to get real stories and just have conversations with people and that authentic kind of conversation that you guys are having in the back of taxis with Marty Dent. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and it's never been easier, Brady, you know, to, to get your story out there, whether it's writing a book or publishing a, a podcast or recording, you know, um, uh, an album, getting it out there. And, um, it's fantastic and we're mad not to, if we're not using these platforms um, to, to, to do that. So you don't have to wait to be picked anymore. You don't have to wait for Channel 7 to come and say, hey, yeah, we want, we want to give you a gig to come and interview some athletes. You know, you can, you can, you can celebrate the sport and be, be part of it in these other ways. And um, like you guys have done, you know, getting, getting legends of our sport and some of the lesser known names as well of the sport involved and, and getting their stories out in the open is it's fantastic. It's never been easier to do, and it, and, it, and I think it needs to be done uh, as well. So, you know, all, all credit to what you guys are doing and, and to many others in the athletics community, to use that example, and running community that have, have done the same thing and really, you know, fired up their Facebook pages and Instagram accounts um, to, to celebrate the sport. So all power to, to everyone that's using this new media. And, I, you know, the funny thing, actually, I, I was quoted oh, – I, I was overheard to say to um, a guy that works – he works for the, he worked for the Australian Olympic um, uh, team, the Australian Olympic Committee, and I, I made some point of saying, you know, TV's dying. Um, you know, no one's going to be watching TV pretty soon. It's all it's all this live stream. It's all it's all what's in your hand. And um, there happened to be a, a lady that works for Channel Channel Seven who helped do this Channel Seven coverage, and she was nearby. And he sort of said, oh, well, don't say that to to this lady here. You know, she works for Channel Seven, but she was like, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, that's everyone's about the second screen. I actually reckon. More and more now, the second screen's the big one. The first screen's the one you know on your mobile that you probably you, you've got you glued to that more more of the time. Uh, engaging you know on on Twitter when there's a race on, or and every now and then you'll cast an eye up on the big screen. So it is changing, mate. And I, you know when we were doing that stuff for Glasgow, that's coming up to four years ago. I I was thinking even by the time the Com Games and, and the Gold Coast come around, it's going to be pretty different. And um, yeah, I, I think we're still it's still all unraveling. And uh, but you can you can now do this sort of stuff be your own TV channel if you've got if you've got a bit of a following and you do it in an authentic way I think there's um there's a chance to be you know pretty successful with with doing this stuff. Yeah, I found the same thing the other day. Like the main TV was on in our lounge room, and it's almost like background noise now because I can pull <laughs> out my phone and watch Instagram stories of videos that people I've chosen to follow are yep. creating and. Um, it's just there for me. Like it's yeah. Which why would I prefer to watch whatever Channel Seven's put on at five thirty on a Sunday afternoon when I can watch stuff that I've chosen to follow intentionally? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so and that was us in Rio. The marathon's on. You're at home as an Aussie supporter. All you want to see is you know how Scotty's going or how uh, Jess Trengo's going. Um, get a get a little headshot of them. And we scratch around for little bits of coverage here and there. Uh, but you know the stuff that we were able to do is give a little few little social media updates from the side of the road right there and then um, you know you can be sitting at home and, and bang we're bringing that into into your lounge room and and that very authentic um, discussion that we're having with um, you know we, yeah with Jess's parents as, as she's running um, we're getting kicked, we're getting told to take our inflatable kangaroos off the course by security uh, end up getting photos with them and and so all this stuff was coming through but you're you're right it's um yeah it, it is it is uh, very interesting times for the whole 
media landscape and a sport like running and athletics has a lot to gain from from opening its doors to all, all those opportunities. Yeah, I agree. And the live streams are a good thing as well. Like even just like being at the 5K champs the other week, like, you know, you can watch every one of those heats on a live stream, the New South Wales 3Ks the other week. Like that's just a given now that that has to happen. And you look at who's in the, um, you know, there's, there's 100 people in the stands, but those YouTube videos have had thousands of views. Like that's where the people are watching from. <laughs> Exactly, and it, and it needs to, and and that live component, Brady, is so important. You know, it we we demand it to be live. It, it's so, uh, live streaming technology's got so much better. Like there was no Facebook Live back in 2014, and it was a bit clunky and um and 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 tough to set up all the equipment to get those streams happening. But we got it done and um and figured out a, a pretty good system. But now there, I think it's criminal if an athletics event isn't live streaming, especially a big champs event like. Like that five thousand in Victoria, you know they're they're kidding themselves. You can you can now cover the sport in so many ways using Periscope, using Facebook Live, live on Instagram, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the best coverage. Like Jack Hale runs. If Jack Hale breaks ten seconds, I want to I want to see it. I don't care if it's shitty grainy footage someone's taken on an iPhone from the back of the stand in on a cold night in Hobart. I want to be able to see that and 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 live and live that. Um, in the same way, I want to see, yeah, I want to see the Zatapec 10,000 champs. And um, I'm a little nervous to ask the question, but I bloody hope they're, they're streaming that this year. Um, I did it tough myself down there doing an Instagram videos. I did 25 Instagram videos <laughs> back in the day covering the covering Zatapec one year and giving the splits for the men's and the women's race. So that was, um, that was intense. And then I was down there with an iPhone on a tripod covering the uh the one the next year i think that was the that was the one to go over to rio eloise willings that's right was that on periscope that year it's actually just on facebook today i'll have to share it um it's come up today it must have been a couple of years ago and uh yeah and i'm running around and eloise willings is is right there and and periscope which is blowing up all these love hearts and all these comments and stuff and people are saying go and interview or go and interview and i you know probably overstepped the mark a little bit in terms of my access that night but that's what that's, if I'm a fan, that's what I want to see. Take me to Eloise. I want to see the reaction. And she was, you know, we all saw her smile and that joy. And Daisy Neal later on in the men's race as well. So to be able to bring that to people and, and have them enjoy that is, is fantastic. But at the very least, put a stationary, like put a put a, a live stream, an iPhone or a smartphone up the back of the stand and just show me the race. I don't even care what the, what the, uh, the commentary is like. Like a lot of people bag out the commentators and stuff sometimes. Don't worry about that. They're just they're having a, a crack at it. Um, just show show us those races. It, it's crazy if we're if we're in 2017, almost 18, and we're not using that stuff that's out there to cover our own sport and, and sell sell our sport. We need to be doing more of it. Yeah, and I think you guys probably uh, accidentally caught Athletics Australia by surprise when you guys kind of started covering that Hunter Track Classic, and then all of a sudden found yourselves covering the. The uh, were they world challenges that year as well, or just the yeah, tri- yeah, like yeah, the Melbourne World Challenge, and the and then I think yeah, so I went Perth, Melbourne, Sydney. Um, Perth was re- a bit regrettable. I mean, we were we were we were up when we were up, and we were down when we were down. The the Hunter Track Classic went so well, and the and the um the community was like, yeah, great, we need more of this sort of coverage. We we got a lot of the credit for it, which we shouldn't have because it was um the the actual technical teams um. Uh, a couple of guys locally from Newcastle on the Central Coast that, that did all the actual streaming. We would just talk the rubbish out in front with a microphone in hand. The one in Perth, we, we unfortunately, the the um, internet coverage wasn't good enough in the stadium and there was problems throughout and that whole stream f- crashed and people were getting blocked um, 
you know, locked uh, screens and stuff. And we got absolutely shit canned for that, um, for being the faces of it. And people were like, oh, these guys are garbage. You know, it doesn't work. We're back to the bad old days. And so we had to cop that on the chin that, um, that it didn't work. For that one, so the pressure was on to get it right at, at Melbourne and then um, and then in Sydney, which luckily it, it did, and then the Nationals as well. So, um, yeah, but yeah, you're right, totally. It was it was by accident. Here's a way that you can cover the sport. Cool, let's roll it out. It's no, it's you know, it's doing a job. It's not Channel Seven. It's not as polished as as what you might get, you know, watching Bruce McAvaney call the Olympics. But it's something, and it was a bit of a start for um for the sport, and 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 it's now created that situation where. Yeah, if, if those big meets are on, they have to be live streamed in, in some in some way. It has there's no no question they have to. And have you got any inside knowledge, mate, that you can share? Like, are you guys doing that again this season, or do you know what's coming uh, up? Th- th- never know. You never know. And um, Athletics Australia, I know they've always got their hands full with 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 many different things going on at once. Um, I'm uh, maybe maybe not not too sure yet, but I'd love to. If there's no official capacity, I'd definitely love to be up there on that new track up um, up at the Gold Coast for Nationals doing something. I'll, I'll take my own inflatable couch up and, and do something out, outside or out, out in lane 10 or something. But we'll um, we'll see what happens with that, mate. I can't, I can't reveal too much to you because I don't know myself. But um, being Commonwealth Games, yeah, that was kind of what we, all, what we said years ago and was like, you know, Commonwealth Games coming up on the Gold Coast, home games, if we haven't if we're not having a good crack at something there, you know, we we haven't had a had a go, and so we thought we'd speed it up a bit by trying to get over to Glasgow and doing something there first. So um, so we'll wait and see, mate. But yeah, it's going to be exciting, and and the Aussies, as we know, are geared up to to do very very well, especially in uh, the athletics. So I uh, can't wait to get get around them all again in in some capacity. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, back on that point though, it shouldn't have to be you doing it off your own back and going up there and just taking tripods and phones and all those kind of things because what you've done in the past has worked so well. You'd think they'd be onto it and locking you guys in and getting yeah. it sorted pretty quick. Yeah, well, mate, stay stay tuned. I'll, uh, we might be able to get the, the uh, Tell Me Your Tales inside running, Mossy and Robbo, <laughs> Naked Runners. Um, little, we could get a little thing happening up there. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'd we'll be more than happy out. to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though yeah. how like the... The people are creating it because the the big corporation hasn't, in a way. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and I mean, yeah. It, it to throw large sums of money at it. and this, you know, one of the things I I, I can sort of share with you here, um, Athletics Australia were at the in that year two thousand and fourteen, we were getting those meets on TV, mm. either on Channel Ten or One HD, but they weren't. We weren't seeing them live. That would happen the next day. So it was really weird for us. We were, we half of our stream, the pitches were really pro because they were taken from um, another um, production company who were feeding them to the Channel Ten uh, coverage or package, the one-hour package that they put on the next night. So um, the the crazy thing there was that 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 was having to be paid for um, by the sport itself, by Athletics Australia. So that's not a cheap thing to do to get on free-to-air telly. So. Um, you want the other thing, the other way happening, where where Channel Seven saying we want to we want to cover this, we want to inject funds into the sport, and um, there needs to be eyeballs, there needs to be commercial interest, and that's something that we struggle, I guess, so much with here in Australia because we compete with all the all the codes and all the other sports. But um, yeah, I like what they did with the nitro stuff. I know that that probably left a fairly big hole in the in the pocket. Um, I think that you know lost lost a bit of money on that first year of that, but. That was a, a new thing to try, and I think a, uh, a successful experiment, and um, and it got people you know buzzing about the sport um, in a in a crucial time. So who knows what'll happen, mate? But um, 
but yeah, at the very least, it doesn't, you know, channels, even, even channel seven themselves or channel 10 or whoever it is, ABC, you can, you can throw, um, a stream on in, you know, in the back end. It doesn't have to be actually on, um, on the, on the terrestrial TV channels, you know, seven mate or whatever, throw it on, throw it on the back end. And, and channel 10, as an example, have covered, um, hockey, hockey, uh, like national championships in Australia that way. Um, so they're, they're, is something that they're, they're getting out of it and they're getting the eyeballs and the advertisements and, and things like that so um anyway we, we can continue to go rogue if we need to to cover the sport but you'd hope in, in time the sport can get big enough and get enough sort of commercial interest to to, to get it done in the way that it deserves to yeah you're right that nitro was a pretty good example because i think that was maybe delayed or whatever it was i remember having to change my location of watching it from sydney so i could watch well, the stream live instead of staying right. up to watch it live on tv which was you know, so people, it's like the app that actually Seven put out for the Olympics. Like, you just download yep. the app, go on at any time, Apple TV, TV, it's your big screen, you can watch yep. it live. Yeah. Like, there's so many ways around it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, what did you think of Nitro? You said it was a good concept. Do you reckon that's the future of athletics? I don't know if it's the future, mate. I certainly liked the way that it was, um, that, it, that it shook up the sport. I, I reckon um, I got a, you, you and I and our listeners probably got a soft spot for the running events, and they were the to me they were the big successes. I mean, Usain Bolt was there, and he was always going to get the headlines and the attention. But that uh, that three minute challenge, what a, what a concept! What a fantastic thing to to roll out. And then the the elimination mile still still could probably tweak it a little bit. But um, you know, I was I was buzzing. I was I was watching that. I, I watched the first two on TV, and then was lucky enough to get down there for the third one and had a microphone in my hand, calling a bit of um, women's women's and men's pole vault which was um which was a bit of fun just trying to rev up the crowd a little bit uh didn't have a huge amount to do on on the on the night but i was there and on the infield sort of living the dream um you know only 10 meters away from usain bolt as he uh was uh getting ready for his relay at the end of the night so it was that was kind of pinch yourself stuff but um i think it was good on the whole yeah great 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 to see a brave move made and um and i think you know having those sport having those events that aren't related to the the pointy end of the season like running a 300 meters or running a 150 or um those those mixed relays they were a bit of fun too and the the three minute challenge where you don't have a you don't have a benchmark to compare those two really and you're kind of just seeing how everyone's going to do so um yeah they were a lot of fun and for me to to relate that back to the recreational runner like i had this little campaign going right i see see how close you can get to you know your, your predicted Three minute distance, yeah, you know, the cha- three minute challenge distance, and for some people that can run pretty well, you know, they're going to hit, they're going to hit a k or, or get a little bit further, and others might hit, you know, five or six hundred meters, and that's their benchmark, and that they can continue to to improve on as well. So um, that that was something that I reckon was was done very well, where they could they could roll that out across other recreational fields. Mm, and even the connection they made with Parkrun, I think Parkrun at Albert Park that weekend maybe finished on the track and it had a bit of a nitro theme that week, so it was good to incorporate that side of things as well. Yeah, brilliant. And Seb Coe was there. It was his first ever Parkrun. He, he got up in front of the the uh, largely Australian crowd that morning and he declared in his entire athletics career he not once had been beaten by an Australian, uh, but he was expecting that to change that morning. <laughs> and I think 250 of us uh, beat him home that day. But yeah. That that was killer. That was amazing to to incorporate the track, the first two hundred and the last two hundred of of Albert um, Park uh, Park Run there. Um, Shanae Diver getting the Australian record that day too was pretty exciting, and um, yeah, we almost got an attendance record um, at that event. So that that sort of stuff is is um, is critical, and it's something again that 
Athletics Australia has been a little bit slow at, at figuring out to to link link up with something like Parkrun, which is just this you know behemoth the way that it's um, come on the scene here in Australia. And it, and Parkrun doesn't really need Athletics Australia, but I would say um, Athletics Australia definitely needs to hold hands with with Parkrun and and attract that and bring it under its wing. And it's funny, you know, that the average Parkrunner probably if you interviewed them at the finish line anywhere around Australia, you probably they're not going to say that they um, performed the sport of athletics that morning. Athletics is probably seen as what Sally Pearson and her mates are doing on the track, you know, at, at the pointy end at, at an Olympic Games. It's um, we all just run, don't we? It's just running, but um, it, it it is incorporated into that broader definition of of what is athletics. And um, uh, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting little time. But running, as we know, you know, you look at the numbers for Gold Coast Marathon every year. 25,000 people turning up over 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 a weekend to have a crack at um at multiple distances and running the running boom just continues to get stronger and stronger whereas you know throwing a javelin for your club at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday that's probably got a limited future um you know I I I, I certainly support the the fact that we want to try and you know encourage kids and and, and more of the community out there to get involved in in the broader sport of, uh, of athletics but the running is what's really you know keeping it going and, and will continue to i reckon yeah next 10 years are going to be really interesting too i think like you just look at those park run numbers and you guys have you got like five different park runs in newcastle you guys get thousands every week don't you <laughs> best part of two and a half thousand, mate. And we've, and got, half thousand. we've got um I'm, where i am now at home i'm looking across we we actually um bought a house on the on the course effectively at about the two and three k mark of, of what's called newy park run strategic buy i'm I'm looking straight across now and uh, just just uh, having a look at the the course, which is good. But um, yeah, if you if you don't, if you don't feel like you're up to finishing the whole thing, you can just nip off home, <laughs> I, I guess. But um, yeah, like it's awesome, mate. I, I, Newcastle's probably just the right size place, and it's very much. Um, I guess it's more like a Geelong, a big regional centre, close to the nearby you know capital, met, metropolitan centre. Um, and it, but it feels like a very um, big country town. I call it the biggest little town in, in Australia, and it is very connected. And um, the word of mouth has really helped, you know, get get Parkrun um, as established as it has. So we've got twelve events in what we call the the Hunter region, Newcastle and Hunter region. We cheekily called it the region of runners there at one point, and it, it's a name that's kind of stuck. Um, it's a little, it, it's a bit, um, it's probably going a little far to, to call uh, Newcastle the region of runners over somewhere like Ballarat. But um, anyway, we, we we claim that and. Um, it's been cool. We sort of set it as a joke to start with, and people sort of started believing. And so, yeah, we, every Saturday morning at across those twelve events, the you know best part of two and a half thousand people, sometimes more, uh, are running or volunteering, and that's been awesome to to see that grow. And I I had a, I had a bit to do with getting the first one kicked off in, in Newcastle from basically purely um you know selfish reasons. I wanted to be near where a park run was, and um and uh was able to achieve that, and then. It's, it's it's just continued to grow and always knew it was ever since i did my first park run up at the gold coast i knew it was just such a fantastic concept and uh it would do well in newcastle but probably never anticipated just how how well it would do and to now see well over 200 events around australia and i've I got a hard time keeping up with where they all are popping up um and and probably the, the greatest thing brady that park run has done is not cater to the needs of runners it's catered to the needs, the health needs of those that never, ever contemplated running at all, let alone running and achieving five kilometres. And they might walk it one week, they might run little bits of it, they eventually get to a point which where they achieve what I think is the greatest achievement at Parkrun, a non-runner running the, the entire 5Ks without stopping, 
then they sort of classify themselves as a runner. Then they start to worry a bit about what sort of time they've done it in and start to shave pretty big chunks off that time. So that, to me, runners will always find events and training sessions and clubs and groups to, to be part of, but it's it's fostering people, we'll call them sitters, <laughs> and fostering them and getting them involved in a in a really unique and powerful um, physical and social environment, and, and hopefully they, they then become park runners for life. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's certainly what's happening around here, changing lives for the good. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Same in my community. Like, it's, it's set up for those people that are going to walk it for four or five weeks, and then they're going to run the last K one week, and then hopefully in 12 months' time they're going to run the whole thing, and then just they just get super competitive then. I've just watched a few people from the sidelines uh you know, might run 45 minutes and then they're telling me it's 43 minutes. And then, yeah, and same just just guys who might have given up footy a couple of years ago who just want to break 20 minutes and then there might be yep. five of them and then they want to break, you know, 1930. And you're just looking at yep. these guys who I was training with a bloke this morning who did his first monofartlek and they're like, they just have <laughs> never been exposed to that world yes. before. But now because of through parkrun, they, um, they love it. But I still find it, I can never imagine these guys going to the track and doing an athletics meet. I still see this <laughs> massive division between athletics and park run. And, you know, a lot of the fire, I'm sure, you know, if you asked the majority of 5K park runners all over Australia on a Saturday morning, um, who were the three 5K representatives at the Olympics last year, um, they'd have absolutely yeah. no idea. Like it's a whole completely <laughs> different world. And it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, mm. um, th- that's right. And, and I think you're right. That's probably one of the biggest nuts to crack is how to convert the, the, the running boom in that park run wave of success um, and getting people involved in traditional athletics on, on a track, um, which is seen as daunting straight away. You know, I've got to be some sort of um, level, good level of runner before I deserve to be stepping onto a track. But the more ways that um, athletics, track and field can cater to that park run crowd, make it non-threatening, get them on there, have fun, get them back again, um, that's, really, that's really crucial. And I've seen it. This year, actually, in a few instances, um, a little bit buoyed on by what was done at and what was tried at Nitro, I reckon. But um, I was part of an event in uh, in Homebush at Sydney Olympic Park. Athletics New South Wales put it on. It was uh, actually a charity day, and there was a couple of really cool things happening. There was a community 5,000 metre race. There was a couple of races, but you could you, you paid an entry fee, but you could pay a bit more to um, request a pacer, a personal pacer. So you said, right, I want to break. 20 minutes or I want to do 1943 or whatever someone would help help you do that um, and so that was just a really nice I guess supportive way to get people who uh, would normally do parkrun and have a time in their head for their parkrun PB get them on the track and see if they could could break that and just get them to experience running around circles on a track um, there was also a, an event there which was uh, a break trying to break a record for running the laps uh, most laps with the most number of shirts on so three of them nice. did it they Dave Crenity was one of them, Simon Walnizer, Jess Baker. They run a lap, put a shirt on, run a lap, put a shirt on. I think they got up to 56 laps or something. They broke the record, which was like 53. Um, so that was, a, that was a bit of fun. And then even just this week, um, I stuck a video up on Instagram last night, a thing called the Jingle Bells Relay, which is I would say we might have had upwards of 100 people, maybe 150 people at the track, most of whom would be park runners and would never be seen at that, that track in town here in Newcastle. It was a 25 uh, leg relay, uh, so you're doing your 10,000 meters as a team, and the idea is to try and get as close to the men's and women's world record as possible. Um, it's not really the big the big deal breaker, but people had a lot of fun, and, and the number of people that did that and do that each year and say, "Oh, that's my first time running on a track," and um, you know, 
it, it didn't kill them. It, it, they had a lot of fun with it, and, and that might get them back in the door to come and do a, a quarter session one week, or, or come and do you know some intervals um, in an in an organised sense another week. So that, as you said at the start, that's that's really a, a key aspect, a key thing that the sport is trying to do. I know in in all the states, and um and I and I think yeah, there's big benefits to broadening um, a runner's experience, not just that park run, but getting him involved in in an 8k fun run. Or getting him involved, running a 400 or an 800 or a mile on the track, and and spot and mixing it all up a little bit. So um, it, it's one of the great things. There's so many ways you can do it. Trail running, ultra running. You know, there's, there's so many ways that it can be done. And I'm seeing it here in Newcastle, and had had the, the the privilege to experience a lot of races more than I have in the last five years. Um, you know, this year as well. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're doing some great things. I'm the same. I've had to say to a couple of people at Chuka just. Um, you know, probably the best way to improve your 5K isn't banging out a 5K time trial every single every Saturday. Saturday. I'm like, maybe do, try and modify like one Saturday and do this some yep. Saturdays, minute on, minute off, and then go back and they just run massive PBs. Yep. Because uh, yeah, won't, won't run during the week, just 5K time trial, <laughs> week off, 5K time trial, week off. That's right. It's uh, probably a good percentage of park runners do that. I know there's plenty here. And look, they're... And you, you wish them well, and you wish that they, you know, um, congratulate them on doing that as opposed to not running at all. True. But yeah. yeah, getting into the sport a little bit more as they start to get concerned about times and paces and whatever, um, yeah, they can start to get big gains by just tweaking things a little. Yep. That's exciting to see those people make the big gains. And I always make sure I tell them, like, don't take this for granted. Like, I haven't run a 5K PB for four years. Like, <laughs> when you get to a certain level, it just doesn't happen <laughs> right. anymore. So just every Saturday when you do yeah. this, it's a honeymoon period. That's right. My, my old man was lobbing off two and three minutes at a time. He got in the park run very late in his life. And, um, and yeah, 36-minute first run, uh, bettered by about three or four minutes for the second one. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is exciting to see, yeah. Hey, uh, talking about people who haven't run PBs for quite some years, you kind of touched on it at the start when you're talking about your marathons. Maybe talk me through the debut and then what happened in between uh, before breaking, <laughs> finally breaking through at Sydney this year. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. It was um, it is an epic journey, and I've actually re- I wrote a race report for the Sydney Marathon this year, uh, which is up and about the place. But I've actually got a longer format, which is sort of detailing the the journey um from that first marathon in two thousand and eight up until when when I was able to do it this year. I read a book. Um, a mate of mine loaned it to me. It's called Running for the A Team. Uh, it's written by a fellow over in Brighton and Hove uh, in the UK. And he his his saga lasted lasted about sixteen years. He'd been trying to break three hours and was getting um, agonizingly close. And he had a mate that that used to always say, you know, until you've until you've broken three hours, you're not running for the A team. You're running for the B team. So that was his that was his little thing that he kept trying to do. But anyway, it was a it was a good book, and it inspired me to write it, put a few things down on um, uh, on paper about my experience. But yeah, um, two thousand and eight first first marathon didn't didn't know. What I was in for had done a bunch of half marathons. Um, had a goal to try and get get that three hours, or as close to, and, and hopefully sneak under it. Trained trained, I think, you know, pretty well, um, having nothing to compare it to. But got some got some solid long runs in, um, and was training with a group at a, from a running shop in Edinburgh. And uh, so yeah, it was all in miles back then too, which was interesting. So it's a different mindset running twenty six point one miles. Um, you get a bit more value for your for your distance markers when you're doing that sort of stuff. So I had to, I had to learn all the splits, um, you know, uh, six-minute miles and seven-minute miles and 
yeah, what that all was. Worse than hearing interviews of people like Marathon Talk. <laughs> I know you listen to it. Whenever they have someone on yeah. talking about splits and miles, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going here, guys. I've got nothing. All I know is five. Five is eight. So if they say eight minute miles, it's a five minute K. Um, and then you, yeah, try and sort of work it out from that. Three, three is five. Five, five minute mile, three minute K, roughly, maybe a little bit off. But yeah, no, I'm the same, mate. Yeah. I've, I've I've lost that conversion now. I'm back to metric for sure. But um, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so, no, no, that's good. So yeah, anyway, we hit the start line. Brutally windy day. We we're into a headwind for a lot of it. Um, and I was just trying to tuck in behind dudes on the way out, and uh, and pretty flat course. You know, not, nothing really too remarkable about it. Pretty much like an out and back sort of thing. And uh, and I was feeling pretty good. We're still on 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 schedule. Just got onto this little bit of a, a dirt road sort of section, and I could just feel a little bit of a hamstring cramp starting to bite and we still had about eight or nine k's to go i reckon for um before getting back home so got to finish on a race course and um and with about like 300 to go just got this most severe hamstring cramp um i've had a few from playing footy and stuff over the over the years but this thing was just it wasn't letting me go at all and all these people are willing me on and so that that dream of trying to get under three hours was just passing me by as I stood clung to a, a, a fence barrier for a, a good couple of minutes, just trying to sort of, I should have just rolled it, but um, I was just trying to get my breath back from this this cramp. Anyway, so yeah, that was a 304 first attempt. Um, still stoked, you know, didn't didn't know much else uh, uh, to compare it to. So so that was cool. And then the next year we moved back to Australia um, and did the Gold Coast Marathon. Thought I was in better shape than I probably was. Uh, it was the it was a year like many of them when Monaghetti was uh, pacing the three hour bus and it was a huge crowd to stick with him early on and I sort of thought oh I'm not going to get a drink at any of the drink stations here I'm feeling pretty good I'll just go ahead a bit and um and that that uh, strategy worked okay until about uh, you know 25 26 k's 27 k's I started to do it a bit tougher than I expected to be doing and then that horrible feeling where the pace bus starts to creep up on you and I reckon crossing over that bridge at about 30 k's starting to head up that hill. Um, I got passed by Mona and, and not the caught. finish line as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's starting to get pretty warm there and you're pushing into the into that wind and there goes Mona and, and not quite as big a crew at that point. And um, so, yeah, did it really tough. 308 for that one. And uh, Mona came through. I don't think it was anyone within that that day. And I, I've put it to Mona a few times since that I want, you know, I want, I want my money back because he, he called himself a three-hour pacer and he didn't do the job with me. So... Um, but yeah, that was that was a bit disappointing. But I probably, if I'm honest, I, I hadn't done the work um, to get through it. I was sort of probably running on the fact that I'd done a marathon before a bit too much. So next year I do the work, put it in, I'm ready to go. I'm fired up to try and finally break it. I do the Sydney Marathon, a little bit lumpier course. People are saying, "Oh, what are you doing that one for?" You know, it's nice and close to to home, so there's not a lot of travel. Um, and I thought, oh, it'll be right. You know, it's just rolling hills around Sydney. And it's not, it, to be fair, it's not too bad. And it's nice to actually break up a, a, a marathon, I reckon, with a few changes in terrain. Uh, however, I got talked into doing a, a live radio interview the day before. I don't know if you've ever listened to um, Australia All Over, Brady with Ian no, Macker. But you'll get him on a Sunday morning. You know, he's an institution. My dad went to, to primary school with him and we had, a, we had lunch with him the day before. And, I'm, and I told him about, I'm doing this marathon been raising money for the Cancer Council and do, have got this thing called the Naked Runners. He says, oh, that's great. Ring in, ring in. Call in on your run. I was like, no, no, you're crazy. I'm going for this three hours. No way am I doing that. And he kept at, me, kept at me and kept at me and I agreed to do it. So at about the 6A mark of that run, I, um, I get 
put through to him to do this live radio interview. And just at that point, I'm, I'm going up this, this short climb um, down near the Mrs. Macquarie's chair section of that run. And, and I, um, I ran probably for about a K or so doing this interview. And I was, but I was feeling good, you know, I felt good and I was chatty and the bloke said to me that day, you know, if you just shut up, mate, you could bloody win this thing. And, um, and I was just high as a kite, I thought, this is it, done the training, done the work. Another guy said to me a bit later on, look, we're probably not, you know, you're probably not going quite fast enough to be um, where you need to be. These paces aren't probably reliable enough and you're probably better off going a, a bit ahead. And I kind of dismissed him a bit. I was thinking, no, I'll be right, just stick with these paces, they'll be fine. Um, and we got to four Ks to go and I look at my watch suddenly to pay attention and, um, and I'm, we've got to do four-minute Ks to get home. And uh, I was like, oh, I started to panic a bit. A couple of Ks out, there comes the cramp again and uh, fell off where I needed to be. Unfortunately, the, both the paces, neither of them made it, made it home under three hours. And so there's a few other people got a bit, um, got a bit pissed off with that yeah. on that particular day. Um, I, was, I wasn't too bad. I, so I, I call it a 261, 30105. It was my time. There was a bloke from Ireland there. He did three hours and 20 seconds. He was in tears at the finish line. So, again, it was, it, I was in good shape. I was in the shape to do it, but I, I probably shouldn't have done that interview. <laughs> it probably cost me a little bit, but um, a lesson learnt nonetheless. So that was, the, that was the PB for many years, 261, and uh, had a few more cracks. Had a crack at Sydney the next year. It was really hot and then blew out to a 320-something. Did a, a marathon the next year off very little training at all. Felt good to 30K just after our first daughter was born. Ran with my, my two siblings, my brother and my sister, which was cool. Um, but, yeah, that was horrible. The last 10Ks of that, so it was like a 340-something. Did a barefoot marathon that same year in Denver. That was a bit of fun. We had a, had a trip over there. That was a bit under four hours. Um, and then had a few years off and just focused on park runs and things and then got back into it uh, this year and did – Ended up doing three marathons this year. So one in um, in Tahiti. Got an opportunity to run a marathon in Tahiti. Absolutely humid. Um, sweating buckets by halfway. Actually led for the first 5K, which was something I wouldn't recommend doing again. <laughs> but it was fun. And I was treating it like a long run because I did the Canberra Marathon two weeks after that. Probably took a bit more out of me than I, than I cared to admit at the time. Um, and I was with the three-hour group at Canberra till about 33Ks. And just some of those hills out the back there um, sorted me out. And it was a very, very uh, lonely last sort of five, seven Ks or so there. And I think it was about a three, 15 or 16. Again, I, I, I wasn't quite in shape enough, um, if I'm honest. And that showed in that back end of the, the race. So then I'm like, right, let's just get this thing done. And um, I did some of the biggest weeks and months of training or yeah easily the, the biggest weeks and months of training I've, I've ever done you know for a recreational runner i've managed to get out to 500 k's i think for the month of august um getting into 120 mid high 120s for some of the bigger weeks and just was able to put the time in getting i've got to say that one of the keys was probably the the second longer run the midweek long run on a wednesday getting an hour and a half to sometimes two hours on a in a trail a hilly trail section with a few mates um uh, that was that was probably one of the key things hitting hitting the long runs like I wanted to. So I was pretty confident. Hit the start line. This is the day, um, and it kind of all fell into place. There were still cramps at the end, but I had enough in the bank to make sure that I could. I was prepared to roll over the line if I had to. Um, it's a funny moment. I come up the, the home straight, and Pat Carroll's calling everyone through, 
And then uh, a photographer caught, caught the moment beautifully. I've just got this crazy hamstring cramp once again with about 40 metres left to go. And there's Pat Carroll consoling me, just saying, mate, don't, don't stuff yourself. Um, but by that time, yeah, I was confident I'd get under that three hours. So big tick next to it, mate, and, and it was good to finally get there. So um, I can get it out of my system. I think my wife, Gabby, was happy to <laughs> have the fact that, that that's finally done and I can let it go now. Um, but yeah, it's an, an epic adventure, and, it was, and uh, I got a bit emotional at the end there. But absolutely wrecked. Probably the hardest K of the day was the one K from the Opera House back to the hotel I was staying at. I was just, I was, I was pretty beaten up. And to make matters worse, I ran that run in a pair of five fingers, which I wouldn't recommend doing. But I just sustained this little bit of a, an issue under one of my toes, and um, that was my way of running pain free. So I reckon it was about 16 Ks too long in that pair of footwear. I've done, I've done barefoot stuff before i've run in minimal shoes before so i knew i'd get through it but i could have done with a little bit more support i reckon in the, in the last 10 k's or so so that was just that just made a little bit more added a bit more drama to it all but it was good to get it done yeah awesome. yeah it's a um that's a pretty epic journey i guess what's next like you know will you go ultra world or get back well, to I, some speed on the track or the yeah. beer well what are you thinking <laughs> right all, all of the above mate yeah. i wanted all oh, i actually um this year i managed to do a 50k in may as well um, up the uh, Blue Mountains, the Ultra Trail Australia 50. So that was a lot of fun and had a, had a, lot, of, um, yeah, a lot of good times training for that uh, with some mates here in Newcastle and uh, getting into the trails and the hills around the place. So really enjoyed that and I've signed up for that. It's the one event I've entered for next year as well. Really well-organized event. Anyone um, considering doing that, I'd urge you to yeah, put it on your list at some point. It's just a beautiful part of the world and a, and a really well-organized event. Um, so within a 21-week period this this year, mate, I had my goal was to break PVs from 5Ks to 50Ks. I got them all, 5, 10, 50 marathon, missed the half by seven seconds um, at a hilly course out the back in the Hunter Valley here just uh, a couple of weeks after the Gold Coast. So that's the that's the big one to tick off for next year, mate. I thought I'd go chasing it in Melbourne this year, uh, wanting to you know cash in on the fitness that you've got after the marathon but i in the, in the end i thought no i've done enough let it go and i'll try and tick that one off um next year so yeah and we'll see i'll you know try and keep touching up the, the park run pb and see if i can touch a few of them up again next year we'll we'll see i kind of think i haven't really trained consistently for the last few years just with a couple of little kids coming along and you know, other commitments and stuff um so it was nice to be able to have the time and effort to to train and there's there's really no way around it you need to do the time and and put the work in um, to to get these rewards, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, continue to taste a bit more success in the next few years. Yeah, just on that though, like, how do you balance it all? Like, obviously, young kids and the media stuff, and the full time physio. Like, is that a hard juggling act at times? It can be, mate. Yeah, and and to be honest, the running was uh, was the thing that was I wasn't hitting. Um, and it was crazy because I, here I am advocating running, advocating movement, um, you know, commentating some, uh, commentating races, interviewing some of the, the best athletes in the country, and I wasn't actually putting in the time and effort to get, to get out from my runs. You know, I reckon I August last year um, might have might have done seven hours of training in total. I, I started using Strava a bit and logging a few things, a bit anti-naked running, but. Um, but I look back at some of those those weeks and months, and I was mate, I was having air swings all over the place. So it was um, it was it was it was just good to get back and get some consistency. I've got my wife to thank; she's been the breadwinner a little bit more this year, and I've been playing daddy daycare. <laughs> so um, 
so that sort of allowed me to, to have that time and, and just, I guess you make the time, don't you? Yeah, you get up earlier, go to bed later, all those kind of things. Exactly. If it's, if it's important enough, you make it, you make it happen. And I looked at other friends of, of mine here in Newcastle who, same situation, young kids, um, more kids than me even and younger kids than me and they're still getting out, hitting their long runs and, and doing some amazing things on trails and marathons and whatever. So I thought, no, look, it's time to just make that decision and, um, and get out there and, and, and do what you love again, do what you're crapping on about all the time. And, um, and I've had my most enjoyable and, and, and best year of running in to date, I reckon. And, um, and I've got that bug back again and great to just hang out with, with mates on the long run, have those chats, um, hang out with the, you know, all the different running groups and, and be part of it and, and get that buzz that only a runner knows and, and only gets after, after those runs. So, um, balance wise, mate, yeah, you, you know, it changed, things can change week to week, day to day, but yeah. I guess just just try and prioritize what you enjoy, what's important. Uh, make time for those things, um, but also, yeah, obviously, family is important, and, and earning earning a dollar here and there so you can feed everyone is is important too. So yeah. um, it's um it's about look. I've got to say, mate, I probably haven't been as um uh, as poor as I as I have um you know as I as I am this year, but rich in so many other ways. And you know, often other young parents will say you don't get this time back with your kids um, as well. So it's nice to. Nice to spend that time. They probably get sick of me, my two girls, Grace and Emma. But um, it's awesome to spend time with them and see them grow up. It happens pretty quickly, and um, I've, they're very lucky to have been a, a part of their upbringing and, um, and and squeeze a few runs in at the same time. And yeah, so that's no, good, mate. It's it's been nice. It, it is a challenge, and I admire I admire you know anyone that's 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 finding the time to to get that exercise, be it you know long distance running or, or whatever. Going to the gym a few times a week, um, fight, making that decision to to get off the couch and, and go and use your body the way it's designed to. Mm, for sure. Hey mate, you got a uh, recommendation of a book or a podcast or a documentary running related for the listeners out there? You, you sure. seen anything recently? Obviously, Inside Running podcast, killing it at the moment. Oh, check, yeah. check, yeah. check it out. <laughs> uh, if you're particularly bored, you can go and listen to 69 episodes of the Naked Runners podcast. Fairly out, outdated now. There's a good um, guest there, though. I was just flicking through before, like even like Martin Yelling. You had him on from Marathon Talk, and Gregson, and Dave McNeil's on there. Oh yeah, we went we went through the MTC. Yeah, at one point that was good. That was good fun. Did you um, find it got to a stage? Because this is what I'm probably finding a bit where. Like the first kind of thirty episodes were easy. I could just go through my phone or my, you know, Facebook Messenger and go like, "Oh yeah, he'll be good. We'll organise that for next week." Or she'll be good. But now yeah. I'm just like, "Ah, oh, I've got to do a bit more. I've already hit that inner <laughs> circle. Now I've got to go for." A, and people start emailing in saying, "Oh, you, you should do one with this person." And I'm like, "I don't actually know that person at all." But so it's going to be hard to talk no, to him for ninety no. minutes in a way. <laughs> exactly, and um, and then to try and keep them topical too. You know, someone just blitzes a marathon in Berlin or, or whatever and, and um, you want to try and you know, get them on that next week after they've, after they've got their name in lights a little bit. It is hard, mate, um, but there's a lot of people running out there and even even as you've done on, on this podcast, you know, um, having some, some pretty down-to-earth chats with, uh, w- with runners of all, all levels and abilities and, you know, not just the ones that, that are, are, well, are more known in the athletics and running world. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine, mate. I'm sure you'll, I'll, I'm sure you'll keep getting suggestions and you can, you can always go back and interview the same best person again, like we did with Scott Westcott. We kept trotting him out. <laughs> well, I reckon something's in that. Like, people enjoy – because I think people almost 
just like being a fly on the wall, is just two people or three people having a conversation, yeah. just listening to their conversation, and they actually want to know what that person's been up to after you've spoken to them for 90 minutes. So having those, Rick, and Joe Rogan exactly. does it really well. He'll get, you know, pretty much the biggest podcast in the world, gets a million downloads a week, but he'll just get his mates on once a month, and they'll just talk about whatever they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't mind that approach at all. One run, non-running related podcast that I reckon – is my I'm, I'm probably going to go for a run after I chat to you now and, and go and have a listen to it, uh, half an hour a week. But it's the uh, Santo Sermon Ad uh, Total Football Podcast. So I've got a bit of a geeky uh, football fan in me. Those blokes, and, and often, it, you know, it wouldn't matter what those blokes spoke about, um, but that's that. seriously, I find myself laughing laughing out loud on the run, just grinning that from ear to ear that, that entire run whenever, whenever I listen to those guys. So that's, that's one, if you haven't heard that uh, yet, that's a good non-running podcast to go and check out. That's interesting. I haven't listened to it, but The Age right. did a, um, an article of what the top 10 local podcasts, and they put Tell right. Me Your Tales in it, and they were also in it. We were like, Will Anderson, we got put in with all these big names. How I don't good. know how we got in there, but um, yeah, I did see that one Brilliant. in there. What about um, running yep. stuff? You got a good running doco or a book or something? Mate, I, um, I, try, I churned through a few running books this year. I, I, re, I did read Herb Elliott's um, The Golden Mile, which I see running, Runners Tribe have, have reissued recently. That's, that's really good. I read the having met um, Seb Coe at the Nitro event. I, I wanted to get across his story a bit more, so I read Pat Butcher's book. Um, uh, I forget the title of it, but, yeah, it's all about Steve Ovette and, and Seb Coe. That's really, really interesting. Um, I've got one on my table right now, which is uh, Haruki Murakami's What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. That's yeah, gathering that's good. That's a good one. I actually, I've read the first four pages, but I, that's on the list to, to go and read. So It's pretty small um, as well. You'll get through that one quick. I, that's right, mate. It, it could do with a few more pictures in it. It's got big words. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, um, it'll be good. But, but yeah, mate, um, I haven't read a lot lately. I haven't, I haven't read. I've been running too much, maybe. I've got to start reading a bit more. New Boston Marathon documentary comes out today. It's, uh, it's Thursday, the 7th of December, I think. So, um, yep. yeah, that might be worth checking out, I reckon. That's Matt Damon's narrating it and kind of, yeah, it looks, it looks good for a running movie. Sometimes they're a bit sketchy running docos and stuff, but this one looks legit. Good. Look forward to it. Beautiful, mate. Well, you know, the last question, I always ask people if they've got a bit of a mantra or a philosophy or a... I don't know, a bit of an inspirational quote that they try to live their life by. Has uh, Dave Robbo got anything? The best one I can think of, mate, this is handed down to me from my, my dear father, Ian Robbo, and um, I'm, I'm sure it relates to running in some way, but I often, often used to relate it to uh, playing cricket and uh, having played cricket for a few seasons over in Edinburgh where the weather wasn't always as sunny and, and bright as we get here in Australia. And you'd, you'd get there early and there'd be a bit of drizzle around. You weren't sure if you were playing or not. You're trying to get your head around whether you, you know, you're going to be batting or bowling or even getting, getting on for a game. Anyway, his quote was, Dave, it's on till it's off. All right? So just treat the game as being on till it's off. So I think treat that to your running as well. It's on till it's off. It's just assume you're going to be going for a run every day or more days than not and, uh, and don't find excuses to, to eke out of it. Um, just just use that 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 simple rule. Look, and whether it's I know most listeners here will be runners themselves. Well done for picking running. I think it's the best thing you can do in terms of physical activity. But if it's not running or you're not able to run, get on a bike, go to the gym, go for a swim, whatever it is. Play soccer with your mates, play touch footy. But uh, yeah, something on in terms of physical exercise. What does the World Health Health Organization recommend? We should be doing half an hour at least six times a day or uh, six times a week, five times a week. 
I think we can all find half an hour in a, in a day. So um, there you go, mate. It's on till it's off. That's my my legacy for you. I'm about to bring up. Hopefully, if all goes well, I'm hopefully about to bring up my one year, my first ever one year running streak um, on about New Year's Eve. So uh, that's been my little thing. Five k's a day, even if they're it's a six minute per k shuffle. Some some days, just trying to get that consistency, and I've really enjoyed doing that. So I'll I'll get out for my half an hour run um, very shortly, inspired by my chat with you, mate. But um, that's pretty that's impressive after three marathons as well. Like the day after a <laughs> marathon is rough, and you've still got out there for five k. <laughs> The one after the uh, UTA 50 was pretty rough too. I was staying in a place in Lura up in the Blue Mountains, trying desperately to find a flat bit of road. And if any locals know, Benny St. Lawrence is from up that way. It's hilly as hell all around there. So, um, mate, I've, I've said hello to a few seven-minute Ks. <laughs> Some of those, that. Not at all, but I got it done. And uh, good or bad, I think it did, when the legs did finally thaw out, hopefully um, it, it did a little bit of good getting a bit of blood flowing around but i mean the physio in me would say what are you doing you idiot have a week off let the body you know recover and absorb what you've done to it but um now that's that was my little thing and it's got me going again and, and um having had a few years a few quiet years and, and months it's got me going and, I, and it's not a question of am i going to run today it's you know when when am i going to going to going to do it and and where is it going to be and who with and and so i try and to go back to i guess where the, the chat started i still try and adopt those um those principles that are that I said at the start when I wanted to, um, you know, re-liven up my running experience and and enjoy it and make sure that we always do enjoy it. For sure, chase the PBs, um, hit your training programs, hit your sessions, do your races, tick tick the boxes, but never forget um, that why why we do it. We do it for the fun of it. Our bodies are designed to do it. We do it very very well, um, and we need to unleash that that running body. You know, more days than more days than not. Beautiful spot to leave it, mate. I couldn't agree more. If the listeners like, I reckon most of my listeners would follow you already online, but give us your handles just in case they don't. Thanks, mate. Yeah, at Mr. Dave Robbo. It should work across um, across anything. And your we'll old that. podcast, that's under Mossy and Robbo, isn't it? It Not is, yeah. We had, some, we had some branding crises over the years. I think if you look for Mossy and Robbo Radio, um, yep. you'll get it there. I don't know if, what, what you get with the Naked Runners these days. You could... You could find stuff. Don't, don't. I'll give you the hot tip. They don't, don't search naked runners um, without being prepared to see some pretty average stuff on um, on Google. So Especially yeah, if maybe, you're at work listening to this and you're going to do it on the works Wi-Fi, just go. It's a good way to not get fired. Yeah. So yeah, the naked runners, um, and they've got yeah at the naked runners. You'll find some stuff on there, and, and at Mossy and Robbo, it still does exist. So you can follow a bit of that too, and we'll look forward to firing that up as we get closer to the um, Com Games up at the Gold Coast too. Beautiful, mate. Appreciate your time on this Thursday afternoon. It's been good talking running, and I definitely think there's a part two and a part three and a part four <laughs> in this one. Every uh, every month we could nearly catch up and talk about running news. Be happy to, mate. And once again, great work uh, yourself, all you do for the running community to put the effort and the time into doing not just one podcast, mate, but two these days. And it's been great to have a chat with you and share a few stories about running today. No worries, Robbo. Thanks again for your time. Good on you. Happy running.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.